0: Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. We're going to get right into Double Game Week 23 preview podcast. But first, we have to introduce a very special guest. I'm joined by Dan, or as he's better known on the internet, at FPL Blackwolf for his return encore performance joining the pod. Uh, today, it's just Bucks. So it's going to be Dan, Blackwolf, and Bucks. How are you doing, Dan.
1: Nice, I'm very well, thank you. You always give the best introductions.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it. Listen, <laughs> I, I have a voice for radio, but uh, and a face for radio, excuse me, but uh, I definitely bring the energy. I'm always psyched to record this podcast and chat FPL with anyone and anyone. Absolutely. That's why we love your podcast. Oh, I appreciate that, man. So let's, let's turn it over to you. It was a great double game week 22. There were a lot of big scores, and... You are top of the totem pole when it comes to the hosts and you as our esteemed guest. You are leading both Brian and I in the overall rankings, and you outscored both of us in Double Game Week 22. So take your victory lap, tell the listeners <laughs> how you scored and uh, who did work for you in your squad.
1: Sure. I mean, I think I picked a good week to come on the pod, um, definitely. So I got 107 points in double game week 22 we no
0: love that yeah
1: so I triple captained Rashford which turned out to be a very good decision I was a little nervous about doing that at first especially with Erling Haaland having a double game week coming up but Rashford has been in such hot form that I couldn't miss the opportunity and 20 points is a better triple captain score than I've had in a long time so
0: I mean I've yeah, been playing 60 for points I'm for kind- context right Dan
1: I mean did you have yeah. Salah last season? I did, but so did everyone. So I wasn't really counting that. And yeah, all right, let's, that... let's do it
0: again. Two in a row. We love it.
1: <laughs> exactly. But the seasons before that, I had like Mane and Sané for one point each. So, you now
0: no, this one definitely came off.
1: Yes. So I moved from 369,000 to 151,000 Um. I think considering the way the season's been going, I have to be very happy with that rank at this stage. So onwards and upwards, I hope. I mean, I started game week 17 at 700K. So it's been quite a good rise the past four or five game weeks.
0: I know you got a green arrow in double game week 22. What What's it been like since the restart? Are you just on straight six in a row green arrows? How's that looking for you?
1: I had four greens and two reds, but the the two reds were pretty small. And the greens were pretty large. So I'm pretty happy with how my game weeks have gone since the restart. And my team's looking pretty good for next game week too. And we can talk about that later. But I'm pretty happy with the trajectory I'm on, considering my start was terrible.
0: Yeah, listen, a big, big come up to be within the top 200K. You're you're just tiptoeing around 150k overall. And considering there are 11 million players, that is a major accomplishment at this point in the season. And like you said, you were about at you know 750k. So the fact that you could be all the way up here at 150k in the world, that's really elite company. Uh, so that's six weeks of, of really good FPL planning and execution uh, to a T. So congrats to you, Dan. Nice. Thank you. And some luck. Yeah. Luck (laughs) luck plays a big factor, but listen, let's, let's flatter. You with saying it was all it was the data. It was the, it was the decision-making. It was the the decision-making. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, when it goes well, it's, it's smarts when it goes poorly, it's just shit luck. You know, that's how you got (laughs) to keep it. Bad variance. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm on 106 points. I'm one behind you. It's my fourth straight green arrow. I'm marching along up the OR charts, just like you are. I'm right at 214 overall. And similar to you, it all comes down to triple captain Marcus Rashford. The man is so hot right now. He's like hotter than a single on Love Island, if you get that reference. He's so <laughs> in demand. He's scoring with everyone, everywhere. Uh, he's He's been doing it in a really big way. And it felt even better because I bet on him as an anytime goal scorer, uh, being a New York resident, I'm allowed to do that. And he returned two and two. So love to see that for my daughter's college fund. And (laughs) I also had Bruno Kepa and Kane who also got returns. So listen, take a triple digit score any way it comes and you can't be greedy at this point, but those points don't count really anymore because as soon as we talk about Brian's score, we're to be into double game week 23, and then it's a clean slate.
1: How about Kepa, by the way, um, 10 points again? He's just oh, he's been returning for us.
0: Considering Chelsea spent over $600 million in the transfer windows, it's hard to admit that Kepa's been our best player. And he was uh, really a squad, if not a forgotten rotation player, uh, less than a year ago. So that's crazy to say and put that into the universe. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's talk on Brian. He ends up on 101 points after a minus four hit. So Dan was one Oh seven. I was one Oh six. Brian was one Oh five, but he took a hit. So one Oh one. And he had a 400,000 plus spot rank rise. So it's easy. He's saying to uh, get out of the shitter when you're so deep in the mud. But, uh, (laughs) I think that's a pretty impressive score regardless to, to jump up the rankings, uh, almost half a million spots is an accomplishment of itself. And he is going to go soccer in for Martinelli. And, you know, it ends up, he moved early on that planning for double game week 23. So it ends up not coming off the hit that he took, but he feels well positioned for 23. And we're going to start talking about that right now. So all three of the hosts really dominated the average this game week, which was 48. So if you didn't use your triple captain, if you have a dead team, this was not a good game week for you if you have been kind of away from your screen for a little bit because having United, those two midfielders was pretty key. And as we'll talk about, some other players are really chipping in in a big way and they have not been popular assets for the long term. They're only just starting to really hit their stride right now. All right, Dan, you ready? Let's, Let's talk on the highlights on Double Game Week 22. Why don't you start us off? So I think we've already talked
1: about him, Marcus Rashford. We, we've said Ooh. enough about him, I think. He's just been an insanely good asset for ever since the restart, and I think he will continue to be a good asset. I have no plans to take him out anytime soon. Even during the blank game weeks, I think I will most likely just bench him. Seven goals and two assists in the eight games since the restart. There's, there's no arguing with that, especially yeah. as he's a midfielder in FPL, so he gets an extra point for, for the goal and an extra point if they keep a clean sheet. So... He's just incredible value right now, especially he's only 7.2 million and he's playing like a, like a
0: premium. So
1: we have to be very happy with Max Rashford.
0: Dan, I wanted to ask you, Brian and I talked about this offline next season. What would you pay to have Rashford in your game week one side? Would he be double digits?
1: I mean, last season he was, I think 9.5. He started and many people had him in their teams then. So I think double digits, I think 10 million, 10.5.
0: If he continues this form, this I would form, probably get him in. This form, I was going to say, because Salah came into the season at 12.5. Or sorry, he came in at 13 this season. Yeah, he did. At th- So I think, and Sun came in at 11.5. So I almost feel like if Rashford keeps this up, he's going to see probably the largest FPL bump up one season to the next. I could see him being in the 11 million range and I would still probably buy him game week one. I mean, he's so undeniable and this United team are really humming in a great way. And he's the engine. I mean, Bruno, Fernandez, Casemiro, they are probably the most important players to this team, but Rashford is the most essential from an FPL perspective. And I totally agree with you, Dan. I have no plans to drop him from my team. I saw some big content creators were recommending going sideways of Rashford to Mares now that you got his points. No way. Rashford is the first name on that United team sheet. And since Ten Hag came around, he's probably the best player in the league.
1: I I think so. I I would only consider ever taking Rashford out if he has a horrible run of fixtures and some blanks. But even then, I would more likely bench him. So he's, he's just been insanely good, like we said. And going to next season again, I'm curious if they put him as a forward. That would would be the only thing that might make me hesitant to put him in. They might put him back as a forward again. So we'll see about that.
0: That's a great shout. All right, let's keep it moving. Another notable goal scorer was Harry Kane. He gets eight points in the FPL game, but this goal symbolically held a lot more meaning than just the W against City in front of the home crowd. He breaks the all-time Spurs scoring record, passing Jimmy Greaves. And it's just an all-time legacy moment. Obviously, Spurs and Harry Kane have not won many trophies, let alone any trophies. But to notch this up, 200 goals at Tottenham Hotspurs is a major accomplishment, no matter how it came about. And this was a really classy goal. So uh, kudos to Kane. I think he's a season keeper. We both have him. I know that.
1: Yeah, I put him in at the restart, I think it was. And I have no plans on taking him out either. Because I think a lot of people are using the money they have in Kane to upgrade elsewhere. So I think his ownership is probably going to drop in the coming weeks. And they have a nice run of fixtures. So I'm going to keep him, I think. He's on penalties. He's their best scorer. He's an elite finisher. So he's staying in my team unless I really, really need the funds. But even then, I'll probably try and get them elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I have a controversial take. I think Kane is actually a more complete goal scorer than Erling Holland. Uh, obviously, Holland is more explosive from an FPL perspective, but no one plays that striker role as complete as Harry Kane does. He does everything for Spurs. I mean, I would love him at Chelsea. I know it's not realistic, but just the way that he plays with everything, he's sometimes tracking back on defense. He's shooting from outside the box. I mean, the guy is willing to die on the field for Tottenham Hotspurs. And they just have not put enough around him to get the deserved silverware or accolades that he really should champion.
1: Exactly. He's only a few goals behind Haaland. It makes you wonder if he was on Man City, how many goals he would have. Holy cow. I'm guessing just as many. So,
0: oh, I don't want to live in that universe where I have to think about that. That's too scary as (laughs) as a rival fan. It is. He's just, he's an
1: elite finisher, and he's, he's also really improved his all-around game. He, get, he gets assists, he drops deep and makes great passes. He's an insanely good player.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately for Spurs, we should just uh, make sure we touch on the lowlights. Hugo Lloris, who's been their longtime captain, suffers a bad-sounding injury. He's now reportedly out for six to eight weeks. So that means from an FPL perspective, if you are considering a wild card soon, Fraser Forster could be a really interesting name to consider. He's going to be their starting keeper, and he's only three point nine million. So I think there's teams out there that might consider a game week twenty five wild card or a game week twenty six wild card, and Forster would have to be in that side.
1: I agree. If I was wild carding in the next one, two, three weeks, I would absolutely have Fraser Forster in the team, a three point nine million starting goalkeeper, and you can probably combine that with another starting goalkeeper in Ward. That's only 7.9 million or whatever ward is for two starting goalkeepers. So definitely I agree with you on that.
0: Yeah, and it's insane value. Spurs haven't looked great, but you know, they're not conceding too many goals other than that match against city. I think uh, you would be hard done to see a match in their upcoming fixture run where you're just highlighting that's a blowout. No way, no way they're going to even stay with that team. So I like the idea of maybe transitioning and we'll talk about this later, moving off some defenders that are coming out of juicy stretches to maybe capitalize on an upcoming Tottenham fixture run, uh, even though it might not have double game weeks. Let's keep it moving, Dan. Who's next on our rundown?
1: So Matoma is next and you've said he's the new and improved Mo Salah and he's, he's so good. Unfortunately, because of their blank in game week 25, a lot of people, including me, have ignored him and he's just consistently got double digit returns over and over again, just damaging my rank. And he got an 11 point return again and that's 42 points in five game weeks now for him. So he's so good. He's their best player right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if a big team comes in for him soon. So we've also heard that Brighton may be doubling in 26 or 27. So if you have him, you can just bench him for game week 25, play him in the double in 26, and you're cruising. So I'm going to be looking to get him in very soon.
0: I would say he is the most important transfer move following Lank double game week 25. He has to be number one on every single watch list once we get to that point. And like you, Dan, I've been... Put off on bringing him in because of that blank game week in 25. And that's to my own misery because every time I check Brighton's team sheet, the results page, he's always involved. He has five games in a row with a return and he's just absolutely in fuego. He's what Mo Salah promised to be at the start of the season, but uh, he came in for uh, at Sub $5 million when a lot of managers got him in the restart. He's been cooking with gas in a real way. And Brighton, their offense and their attack looks incredible. And it doesn't look fluky at this point. I think DeZerby has them really going out and delivering attacking halls to the kind of detriment of their defense. But from an FPL perspective, there's tons of midfield assets that look delicious in that Brighton midfield.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have Soli March, Matoma, um, you have McAllister, who comes in with points every now and again. They have a great midfield. They're they're in, they're a very good team. They can. Yeah,
0: they're it's uh, it's scary to think that they might end up realistically finishing above Chelsea uh, <laughs> when the season's all said and done. I I hate to confess confess that. All right, yeah. Dan, this is this is your moment. Let's let's get the gloating on. Let's get your bragging <laughs> cap on, Wolves see absolute red as they hunt down Liverpool 3-0 at the Molyneux demolition derby for your squad I loved I loved watching it and I loved knowing that you were coming on this podcast to talk about it after that result
1: yeah. I watched that entire game with a smile on my face it's not very often I get to see Wolves even score a goal so to, so to win 3-0 and to win so comfortably and to play such good football it was such a good watch um Le Petigui has really sorry Lapetegui, his name is very hard to say. We're we're keeping it in. (laughs) Go ahead, keep it in. He's really improved how we play our football. We we look like such a better team since he's became manager. There's been multiple clips shared around Twitter of the passing that we've been doing, the chances we've been creating, and we just look like such a better team under him. So it was really nice to watch us demolish Liverpool.
0: I have to say, to that point, you just brought up The ambition that he's brought back into the club, it looks like when they first came up and they were in the European competition spots, they were in the top half of the table. They were looking really strong. I think they've lost that kind of special mojo. They don't have the desire or the, I don't know, the cojones, I would say, to go and really challenge these big teams. And I think, like you said, Lopetegui, <laughs> ah, that's horrible. Go. Whatever. We're keeping it in. <laughs> he came in and he just, I think he's bossed that locker room. They now come out. They look confident. Their chests are pumped. And Adama Traore is getting minutes again. They just look like a team that really wants to go for it, get results, and damn the consequences. They're just playing a much better brand of football.
1: 100%. There, there was something definitely wrong in the dressing room when Bruno Lage was in charge. The players just didn't look up for it, they didn't look happy. And it's just all changed. They're a joy to watch again after being pretty miserable for one and a half seasons. So I'm hopeful we can stay up and push on. I'm a little nervous still that we're very close to the relegation zone. But I'm quite confident in the squad we have that we can pull out of it, especially with the fixture in we have coming up.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think they're far enough out of it where you could be confident that with this new transform team that they, I think they'll be out of the relegation fear zone soon enough. I hope so. All right, let's talk about two teams that are in the relegation battle next, and that is Everton. They get the new manager bounce behind Dycheball, and they do it in an outstanding fixture. They upset Arsenal 1-0, and I think like Wolves have been transformed by the new manager, I expect we're going to see similar things for Everton, especially in the FPL game with their defenders because they looked so much better, so much more stout. And they they played with a renewed confidence that maybe they aren't going to definitely be going down this season.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, as a Wolves fan, I was hoping that they would continue to be bad, but they looked pretty good under Dice. They look like a much more solid outfit. The likes of Tarkowski and um, Dwight McNeil, who are used to playing Dyche ball, they looked like much better players. So I'm kind of scared about Everton right now. I think they're going to, turn it around unfortunately Dominic Calvert-Lewin one of their best players he's just he's made of glass it seems he just constantly gets injured he would he looked really good last game but now he looks like he's injured his hamstring again and he'll be out so I think that's a, a big loss for them because he's really central to their attack so that's the only thing that would make me worry about Everton but like you said on the on the defensive side they look, they look excellent and James Tarkovsky at 4.2 million when they have a double coming up and no confirmed blanks. I think he's someone a lot of people should be looking at.
0: Yeah, we're going to touch on Tarkowski a little bit later, but I agree with you. DCL going out and potentially missing the Merseyside derby, which is going to happen in game week 23. Huge loss for Everton. I think he's so central to what Dyche wants to do, which is hit it long, control possession, and really make the other team play with the ball and then they play counterattacking footy. So the fact that he could be out again, uh, it's like he shares his trainer with Christian Pulisic, the way that these two yeah. guys get injured is really bad news for Everton faithful. And uh, that's part of why I think you probably are safe. And uh, let's, let's go last one, not to be outdone. New manager bounce also caught leads uh, because Jesse Marsh, we're both U S natives now. And uh, so we're sad to see him go, but optimistic that he'll be the U.S. men's national team coach come 2026, but he's no longer in the Premier League. And yeah, they stunned United 2-2 in the opening match for their new manager. Yeah,
1: Yeah. just to touch on Jesse March, I was kind of surprised that they fired him after signing multiple U.S. men's team players, such as Weston McKinney, and then suddenly just firing Jesse Marsh, it, it didn't make sense to me. But you're right, that they, they got the new manager bounce. They looked very good, at least in the first half against Man United. Um, is it Noto? I think that's how you say his name. Yeah, Gananto. Is it Gnonto? Interesting. Yeah. Gnonto, 11 points. A lot of people brought him in for the double game week. He got the goal in the first minute, free bonus points. So owners of him will be very happy.
0: Yeah, it's always nice when you're differential... Budget striker outscores the legendary Harry Kane. That's how you know you're going to have a good game week. (laughs) Yes. All right. Before we get into the disappointments of double game week 22, we should just call out a fun fact about Nottingham Forest. They are currently top of the table in the new year. They have 11 points and sit up in 13th place in the table, which is a far cry from where our first flopper sits. And that's Southampton. And they are in last place, dead last, On 15 points, they're in 20th spot, and something is just completely rotten at this club right now because they fired their longtime head coach, and they brought in this guy, and he seems like an absolute douchebag. I do not like everything (laughs) that this guy is saying, and the fans hate him, and the results are just bad. They got smashed 3-0 to Brentford. Things are not going well at St. Mary's Park.
1: Yeah, the the manager comes across very poorly in interviews. The things he says are just shocking. Every time he speaks, I'm like,
0: what are you doing?
1: (laughs) He was saying
0: saying he's the best top flight manager from an XG and a pace of play perspective. And he's referencing when he was the coach at Luton Town. I mean, bro, that's like not a real team. (laughs) Calm down.
1: Yeah, it it makes no sense that the guy is a, he needs to be fired. Let's face it. And they need to do it soon. Because Southampton are going to go down otherwise. They just look terrible right now. It might and be too playing... late. It might be too late. Possibly. I mean, we've seen that we're bringing in a good manager can really change you. So if they do it soon, possibly. But yeah, they're, they're, they're losing ground very quickly. And they're playing Wolves next. So if Wolves beat them, then... That's I, I know you're game.
0: licking your chops for that match. You're like, do not bring in a new manager before this weekend. <laughs> I know. Hopefully. All right, let's get on the last uh part of this segment, which is Liverpool. Because like Dan was saying, they got absolutely handed it to them by Wolves 3-0. They have a double game week, which we're going to talk about coming up, but yeesh, they just cannot get a good result. They're all the way down in 10th position, which isn't saying much considering my Chelsea Blues are in ninth position, but Liverpool just look absolute shit. Salah has five total shots in the last four matches. So Everything is going wrong here at the moment for Klopp and the Reds. Yeah, they they just
1: look terrible. The, the football they're playing is so poor. They just don't look up for it. They they lose the ball all around the pitch. Their defending is atrocious. I, I don't know what's going on there.
0: Interestingly you know
1: though, from an FPL perspective, their XG is still really good. So
0: yeah, they they the advanced stats love Liverpool, but the eye test. Oh my God, they might be one of the yeah. worst teams when you watch them. They are so slow pretty much across the pitch. It's like, why is that guy just getting run by over and over again? Oh, it's James Milner and he's starting in midfield. Oh, why is that guy getting cooked uh, on a one, two ball? Oh, it's because Matip is starting every game because Kanate and VVD are out. So it's just bad news all over the pitch. And it looks like they've never played together despite this team being kind of all set together for three or four years now. On the bright side, they have
1: Jota returning, Firmino returning, Virgil van Dijk. They're all back in training. So if you're a Liverpool fan, you're going to be happy that, or at least hoping that they're going to turn it around.
0: Amen. You're a true pro. I love that transition. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll preview the action in Double Game Week 23.
1: Okay, so we're back. Let's talk about Double Game Week 23, previewing top
0: picks. All right. Let's first just tell the listeners what's going on in Game Week 23, starting with the Double Game Weeks for Arsenal and Manchester City. So Arsenal will play home against Brentford and then home against Man City. And Manchester City will play home against Aston Villa before traveling to the Emirates to play against Arsenal. So I think the big takeaway here, and Dan, tell me if you think I'm, I'm wrong, but I think a triple-up on Arsenal is absolutely essential. And I would say probably you want to have at least at least two Man City players for this, for this double game week 23. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I think the priority here needs to be not only bringing in three Arsenal assets, but trying to bring in the three best Arsenal assets. Because they're going to be a long-term hold with the double game week in 23, the double game week in 25. I think getting the best three assets from Arsenal as soon as possible should be a priority. And I agree. I think two Man City players is probably enough. However, I'm likely to try and get three just because I love a double game week. The issue with Man City, of course, is you don't know who's going to who's gonna play. You're getting players in for a double game week. They end up playing 90 minutes anyway. So... I'd be heading to the biggest
0: You can't predict yeah. this bald man. All right. You mentioned <laughs> the triple up and the right triple up on Arsenal. So let's let's skip ahead a little bit. We had this uh, written in a little bit later. But Dan, what's your perspective? Rank your preferred first three Arsenal players.
1: Whoa, that's a tough one. I have a lot of Arsenal fans who I follow on Twitter that I trust their opinions on. So I think Saka would be my number one. Just because I love the guy. His stats wow. aren't necessarily as good as the likes of Odegaard or Inketia, but he just constantly delivers. So he would be my number one followed by Odegaard. And then I think I would choose Gabriel as number three. A lot of people would pick Inketia, but I'm thinking long-term here. I think you would probably want to have an Arsenal defender. And I think Gabriel is the one to go for.
0: Dan, for context, you're saying Saka, Odegaard, Gabriel, but Would that change at all in, I know you're saying for long-term, would that change with a short-term point of view in 23? Who's your kind of first choice three?
1: Saka, Odegaard and Nketiah would be my
0: first choice three. Interesting. I'm not so different, but I am a little different. I think that my ideal triple up would be Odegaard, Nketiah and Saka in that order. Unfortunately, and we'll talk about this as we get to our transfer window. I'm I'm not going to get there. I'm I brought in Niketia, so I really want him. I think he has the highest advanced stats from a goal scoring perspective. Whereas Odegaard so far has the most explosive FPL potential. He has six double digit hauls this season. Now, Dan, maybe tell me if I'm barking up the wrong tree here, but you said Saka. He's the most nailed for overall minutes across the season and he's also on penalties i think that is a huge feather in his cap when you look at very small margins am, am i right
1: yeah he's on penalties so that definitely increases his um appeal and also i just i'm more of an eye test person i would say than stats and just watching soccer play is just always a joy. and he's always getting chances he's always making assists he's always getting shots in so he, he's my pick But again, I'm a little biased from an eye test perspective.
0: No, I love it. He is a star boy for sure. He's going to be a 150 million pound man when uh, the time comes around. Let's talk about City now, transitioning. Who would be your ideal double or triple up from them?
1: I think for game week 23, it has to be Haaland, Kevin De Bruyne, and probably Mahrez would be my top three.
0: Okay. And long term? um,
1: And long term, I think... Definitely Kevin De Bruyne and Haaland for the third asset. You know, I think long-term, I wouldn't even get a third asset in Man City. There's there's just too there much rotation. <laughs> there's just too much rotation. I think Kevin De Bruyne and Haaland are the only two you can really rely on to start most games.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I'm the same way. I uh, I agree with you on both accounts, but I think the defense for City has been so shaky. It's not, it's not the stout defense where they're blanking 15, 16 times a season like it has been in seasons past. It looks like they are a little out of sorts, specifically in the back of midfield and the defender selection.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what happened. They had Canseo, they had Ruben Diaz playing so well, they had Laporte playing so well, and now all of a sudden Canseo's gone and Diaz and Laporte can't get any games. They're playing Aki and Akanji. Yeah, it's I'm very bizarre. Sure Pep, Pep has yeah.
0: his ways and uh, he's a master... <laughs> uh, master uh, psychological terrorist uh, when it comes to the <laughs> FPL game. Yeah, he's an overthinker, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. He's uh, he's the tinker man when it comes down to it. Let's highlight three other matches that I think we'd rate for unbalanced matches and therefore could be hall potential for FPL. Why don't you take these away, Dan?
1: Yeah, so we have Newcastle at Bournemouth. So I think double Newcastle defence. Looks really good there. Um, Bournemouth just are not looking good attacking-wise. I think a lot of people have double Newcastle already, and I'd probably be tempted to play them both, despite the double game week for City and Arsenal. However, you're going to want to look to offload them soon because of the blank game week coming up for them. But I think if you have Newcastle assets, I'd be very tempted to play them this week. Um, Additionally, we have Man United at Leeds. Um, Rashford, for sure, is a hold. And I would start him. You, you can't bench Rashford for this game. Bruno and Shaw. You could potentially bench Shaw to play your double game week players, I think. Because Leeds, although they're not great, they always look likely to score against uh, Man United defence, who have been a little shaky lately. And Bruno, for him, it's more because of the, the funds you have in him. Um, offloading him to someone like Kevin De Bruyne or Ramirez probably makes sense, at least for a free transfer. So for him, I would be tempted to take him out this week, not only to get the extra player in double game at 23, but also to in preparation for the blank that's coming up. And then finally, we have Brighton against Crystal Palace. Again, Matoma is, I think he's the asset that most people own. And for sure, I would start him in that game. Crystal Palace have not looked as defensively solid as they have in the past. They look like they're going to concede every game. And Matoma is the guy for Brighton, as we've already discussed.
0: Yeah, Palace are currently 18th in the standings from a goal conceded perspective. And Matoma is their talisman. So I really rate all three of those calls. I think the Bruno conversation is one of the most 50-50 calls of this game week. He did play really well in both of United's double game week 22 matches. He actually had the highest XG from the Leeds match where he got a blank in the FPL game and he had the highest amount of shots. So he was definitely very central and creative in that game. Just didn't come all together for him in the perfect moment. And, you know, I could see him, since he is so nailed for 90 minutes, potentially even outscoring a player like KDB despite having those two matches. So I think that's very much a knife's edge call. And we'll come down to your team formation and where you have funds built up. Uh, on that Bruno call.
1: I agree. It's a very split decision across Twitter on what to do with Bruno. Um, I would not take him out for a minus four. I'm certain of that. But if you're looking to get in the likes of Mahrez or Kevin De Bruyne, I would be very tempted to use Bruno as the way to do that. Again, also in preparation for 25. I mean, knowing full well that Bruno is probably going to deliver this week regardless, I think there's potential for more points elsewhere.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And I I think we're giving a, a preview into some of our transfer plans uh, to the listener here, but uh, <laughs> we'll get there soon enough. Let's talk about Game Week 25. I know we've referred to it a number of times, so I think we should just share the breaking news regarding Game Week 25. We already knew it was going to be a blank Game Week, so that means no matches for Brentford, Brighton, Manchester United, and Newcastle. The big development is we've learned it's now going to be a bad game week 25. So a blank and double game week 25. And there'll be four teams that blank and also four teams that double. So Arsenal, Everton, Liverpool, and Wolves will all play twice. And I think that's really going to change the calculus on a lot of FPL managers, a lot of engaged FPL managers, uh, transfer plans, because No longer is it enough to be moving a blank game week player to a single game week player, just any warm body that has a fixture. Now you're really going to be looking to spot a diamond in the rough and pick a player that has two games that they're going to start both of those in 25 and potentially has Hall potential. All right, so we're going to dive into the teams that play twice in double game week, bad, blank, and double game week 25, starting with the team at the top of the table, Arsenal play at Leicester and home against Everton. A great time for a revenge match, don't you think, Dan?
1: Yeah, I mean, Everton getting that win against Arsenal last week is probably a shock to the system for Arsenal, so I expect them to come back and get revenge on that result. And these, this double game week against Leicester and Everton is the reason I said it's probably a priority to get the three best assets in now, because I think Arsenal are definitely captain or even triple captain potential
0: in game week 25 against Leicester and Everton. Whoa, whoa. Okay. I, I love this shout. And if you still had your triple captainship, who would be your guy? Would you put it on Bakaya Saka in 25? I think I would. I think
1: I would. I like going a little differential with my triple captain because it's kind of a useless chip in my opinion. So I think (laughs) I am most likely going to captain an Arsenal player that week.
0: Wow, I love this shout. Okay, and if you still had your triple captain chip, you would rate holding it for 25 and to use it on Saka then as opposed to using it in 23 on Holland?
1: Well, I mean, my heart and my head say different things. My head says... Haaland is probably the wiser move, but my heart is saying Arsenal in game week 25 will be a great game week to play for a captain.
0: Yeah, listen, I think that Saka, what you love from him is he's very set and nailed for the full 90 and away at Leicester, they stink on defense and home at Everton. I think that's going to be a totally different experience and environment being in front of the home crowd. And, you know, Goodison Park is a pressure cooker. So I think they benefited a lot, the Everton players from the fact that the home crowd was cheering them on to play such an intense style of football for 90 minutes against a team that's clearly has a superior talent level than you. And to get the win, I feel like that's a result that you can't really replicate on a way ground. So I really rate your call. I think I'm a little bit more of a sheep when it comes to my FPL decision-making. I think I would probably lean uh, 55 to 45. I would go Holland in 23 if I still had my triple captainship.
1: Yeah, so next up we have Everton. They have Aston Villa and Arsenal. I think I would be looking at James James Tarkovsky for that week. He's only 4.2 million. And those are two fixtures, at least the, the one against Aston Villa, that they could very well win. So I'd be, I'd be looking at bringing in an Everton player for that week, especially because they'd also don't blank in the game weeks after that. So I think we should all be looking at bringing in possibly an Everton defender as shocking as that sounds for that game week.
0: It is, it is very shocking. James Tarkowski, notably 4.2 million in the FPL game owned by less than 2% of managers. So I think that number is going to be soaring upwards in the coming game weeks.
1: I think so. And he has a goal in him too. He's, He's very good with his head. He always pops up for a header every now and again. So I think against, even against Arsenal, there's no reason why he can't pop up with a, a goal, even if they concede. So I would be looking at bringing him in and starting him for that game week. But realistically, Dan,
0: realistically, do you think that they have one clean sheet in this, uh, half a clean sheet? What's, are, you, are you banking on Tarkowski for the defensive perspective or because he does have that attacking prowess?
1: I think at home, they have clean sheet potential under Sean Dyche. He also, like I said, has the attacking potential as well. And I'm a sucker for a double game week. Even if he gets two times two points, four points is better than a one point that I've been getting from other defenders
0: recently. So, I love that perspective. I think many engaged FPL managers are suckers for the double game week. I mean, two is bigger than one, but... Oftentimes you get so blinded by the double game week that you're often chasing not such great teams like Everton and getting (laughs) their assets. Uh, I think 25 might be a reminder to that for those uh, chasing teams out of form. And that's a great transition to the next team, which is Liverpool, who play at Crystal Palace and then home for their version of the revenge match against Wolves. Who would you be targeting from these guys?
1: Yeah, this this one's so interesting because I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, it's time to bring Salah back. It's time to bring Darwin back. I'm very hesitant to bring anyone back from Liverpool. They're just playing so terrible right now. But if I did, I think Salah would be the one with him being on pens. I think he's also quite easy to get to for many people if you have Kevin De Bruyne in your team. Um, Outside of that, Darwin Nunes is interesting, but with Jossa coming back from injury and Firmino coming back, I'm not sure his minutes are so secure. so i would I would like to look at them for the next two game two game weeks. I don't think we need to move on them anytime soon and then make a decision closer to twenty five on them because if they dec- if they suddenly get good defensively as well, there's no reason why Robertson or Trent can't suddenly become an option as well.
0: Agreed. I think the challenge with Liverpool is you're going to be probably betting on potential rather than actually seeing it in real life because they are just so wildly out of form and the issue from an FPL perspective is all their players are pretty much setting the top of the price lines. I mean, Trent, Rabo, Virgil van Dyke, Sala, those guys are all incredibly expensive and Darwin isn't cheap either. So I know speaking about my team, it would be hard for me to get Sala and Darwin or even any one of them without taking at least a minus four hit. So I think they're an interesting team and Potentially Sala could be a real punt of a differential triple captain if you are that bold, which I am definitely not. But <laughs> these, are, these are two games that should be winnable, but based on recent experience, recent fixture performance, I mean, Wolves just absolutely smashed them. So I see this as really being the away game to Crystal Palace and it's away is the easier fixture. And I'm not even convinced that they are a team that's traveling well right now.
1: I, I agree. I mean, it's shocking to say it because if you saw this double game week last season for Liverpool, you'd jump on three of their assets straight away. Oh right, thinking, well,
0: it wouldn't even you wouldn't even need to wait till the press conferences. You would just yeah. smash the uh, minus four transfer move right away.
1: Exactly. And now I'm thinking, do I even need a single asset from Liverpool? It's it's crazy how their tides have turned. I agree. Having yeah. said that. We have two game weeks to really look at them because I don't think we have to make a move for them anytime soon. So we'll see if they suddenly turn it around in the next two game weeks.
0: Agreed. All right, let's go to your team. The Wolves play at Fulham and at Liverpool. I think this is the most challenging of the four teams from a fixture perspective because they're away from home cooking for both matches. But I think because their fixture run turns very dramatically following this double in 25... I think they could actually be the most appealing team to target behind Arsenal. So Dan, this is, this is the team, you know, the team that you cheer on the team that you study, I would say closer than anyone else that isn't in the dressing room. So tell the listeners, who are you targeting from your boys in yellow?
1: So looking at my team, I think going for a defensive option is probably good purely because there's so many good attacking options elsewhere across the league, and Wolves tend to rotate a lot in the forward positions. So Mm -hmm. I would be looking at a defender, even though these two fixtures aren't necessarily great from a defensive perspective. The fixtures all around them are very good, and the likes of Kilman and Collins and um, Dawson, they're all cheap. So you don't have to break the bank to bring these guys in. So I'd be, I'd be looking at Kilman and Dawson as my priority if I wanted to bring in a Wolves player.
0: And I know we spoke beforehand. I know you have Bueno in your team. Is he a player that you think gets one start in this double? Or is he a player that you might be considering transferring out because he's no longer assured for the minutes?
1: I, Depending on how my transfers the next couple of weeks goes, I might be looking to take him out. He is... I still think he's possibly first choice. He would definitely get minutes and possibly play one of these games, but he's definitely not a 100% guaranteed starter. Um, Ryan Eitnery is gonna share minutes with him. And it's hard to tell which games Eitnery is gonna play versus which games Bueno is gonna play. So if I had the luxury of being able to take Bueno out, I would probably do that and move for someone like Dawson or Kilman who are much more secured of their minutes.
0: Okay, I love that. Kilman is definitely on my watch list as well. One more player I want to tease, and that is one of the new additions to the Wolves team, Cunha, Cunha? their yeah. new striker at 5.5 million. Yeah, so Mateus
1: Cunha, he's only 5.5 million, which is a nice price for a player who looks like he's now first choice center forward at Wolves. We have Raul Jimenez, who seems to not no longer be in the first choice at 11. And I think it's going to continue that way going forward. Cunha has been getting some early subs lately, Like he tends to go off around the 60, 65, 70 minutes. So I'd like to see his minutes increase before I recommend him. But he looks like a very good player. He creates chances. He gets good chances. He looks dangerous every time we attack. So I think he's a good shout as a
0: differential forward. So here's my thinking. If you had gone for Nanto in this game week and you're just going to bench him until 25, Would you then potentially consider swapping him to Cunha if you don't have funds to get a guy like Niketia or uh, someone else that's more expensive like Darwin? Would you make that transfer to get Cunha if you see something from him in the next couple of game weeks?
1: He's someone I'll be looking at for sure. Um, The only thing that would put me off doing that is how good other assets are in other teams around that price point in the midfield spot. That's the only thing that would kind of put me off putting him in. But if you want to go differential if you want a wolves attacker Cunha is the one the only thing that i'm hesitant about with wolves is they might blank in 28 depending on the fa cup results so that's the only thing putting me off wolves
0: yeah it's great that you mentioned that dan because liverpool right now also could blank in 28 so both that remains to be seen and unfortunately we won't know if they are going to blank in 28 until after the deadline For bad game week 25. All right. I think I think we've spoken enough on Game Week 25. Let's jump ahead to some community questions from our listeners. I'm ready. You're on the hot seat for the first one, and that's from Corey (laughs) Cummings. He's asking, does it seem too sideways to swap Arsenal players? Uh, he's specifically thinking Bruno Fernandez and Gabriel Martinelli to Bakayo Saka and Martin Odegaard. Do you like that move?
1: I think if you look at this move in isolation for this game week, it is a sideways move. But I think long term, I think it's a very good move to make. And this is the week to do it. I think if you look at these players over the course of the next two to six game weeks, you're going to want Saka slash Odegaard rather than Martinelli because Trossad is going to take minutes off him. So while this might might seem sideways in isolation, I think it's a very good move to make.
0: And how about for a hit? Let's let's expand it for our listeners because I know there are hits being considered all across the FPL community on Twitter and I saw it even on Reddit streams. People are saying maybe a minus eight is not even uh, enough to really right set your team for the upcoming crush of blank and double game weeks. What do you, what do you say to that, Dan?
1: I'm kind of hit averse. So I, I certainly wouldn't be doing a minus eight this week. Um, a minus four... I think would be okay, especially if you're bringing in nailed Arsenal assets and also bringing in the likes of, I've seen people bringing in James Tarkovsky in preparation for the double as part of that minus four. So I think if the three moves you're making set you up nicely going forward, I think that minus four is fine.
0: Okay, great answer. I agree with you. I think that I would probably want to, if at all possible, I would rather keep Bruno than one of those Arsenal players this game week. But when you look at it stepping back, Bruno has two fixtures in the next three game weeks and Arsenal lads have five. So uh, it's an obvious move. I would do it even for a minus four hit without thinking twice about it. Agreed. All right, let's go to the next question. Uzi asks, does free hit in game week 25 make sense? Or is that a chip that you'd want to hold for later in the season?
1: I'm going to give the answer that a lot of people will love to give, and I'm going to say it's team-dependent.
0: I think well, That's a cop-out. Okay You're not getting away with that, Dan. Come on. <laughs> Pick a side of the fence. Yes or no? Well, his answer is, hmm,
1: I think it's an okay game week to play it. However, I think there's going to be better opportunities later on to play it. If you can get through game week 25 with three transfers and a minus four, a minus eight hit, I think you should hold on to the free hit. The the double, The double doubles that are going to happen in game week 25 are not great, in my opinion. And I think there will be a better opportunity later on to play it.
0: Yeah, we're so in I... agreement. We're in agreement there. And I actually think, Uzi, if I was you, I would be waiting to use the free hit in a double game week. And we're going to have some big double game weeks in 32 and 37. And you might be all through with your chips by then, especially in 37. And so I think free hit in game week 37 is probably one of the optimal strategies to use. I think if you can even field nine nailed starters for bad 25, you'll be good to go. You won't lose too much on the general field in a blank game week if you don't have the, you know, a full starting 11. All right, let's go to Kev Johnson. He wraps this up. Time to move on Salah. And if so, Saka better than KDB? Dan, I think we've touched on every part of this question, but let's just let's make it clear and concise for Kev.
1: Yeah, let's break it down because I think he asks two separate questions in this one question. I think time to move on seller. Is he asking take out seller? I think so, right?
0: Yeah, I think he's saying to bring him in, maybe. Oh, I don't know. Kev, we're (laughs) we're gonna have to get you involved on Twitter to clarify this. But let's say he wants to bring him in now. And I think you've already answered this, but
1: i i would not bring in seller immediately i would look to bring him in potentially in double game week 25. i wouldn't bring him in right now um and if i had him i might be tempted to do the hokey cokey as they call it to go to someone like kevin de Bruyne and then back again if i have the luxury to do so
0: so let's let's take your reading of the question now since we've just confirmed that i cannot read very good Rank these guys one to three. So if you had Salah, you you're saying you wouldn't keep him. So he's not going to be number one. So if you're transferring him out, who would you want to get, Saka or KDB?
1: If I had to rank these three players right now, it would be Saka number one, KDB number two, Salah number three.
0: Holy cannoli. I'm quaking in my boots right now because I did not go that direction on my early transfer moves. Kev, I'm, I'm going to take a slightly different tack than Dan. I would want to have KDB for the explosive upside of City, Saka 2, Salah 3. And it's a huge gulf between two and three. I, I would not be touching Salah with a 10 foot pole, and I might not even in his double game week 25.
1: At least we can agree on Salah being number three.
0: Yeah, crazy to say that as, a, as an FBL diehard. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, we will dive into Dan, mine, and Brian's transfer plans and captaincy shouts.
1: Okay, so to talk about transfer plans and captaincy shouts for the next game week, for me, I think I've kind of given this away a little bit in the podcast so far. I think I'm looking at taking out Bruno and bringing in Mares. And taking Spicy!
0: Out, oh, baby! I like that.
1: And taking out Martinelli and bringing in Odegaard. So I think that's the move I'm looking at make. And for me, that's going to be for free because I have two free transfers. I would probably not do that for a minus four, but with my two free transfers, I think I'm okay doing that. I'm not 100% sold on mares because I think he's going to be resting in one of those games. But as I've been saying all along, I just I can't say no to a double game week, especially against the explosiveness of Man City. And my Dan, own nervousness is not having Kevin De Bruyne.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're definitely looking at KDB as a window shopper, being like, ooh, that would be nice to fit into my team, but I don't have space. So who, who is going to be your starting midfielders in double game week 23?
1: So my starting midfield would be Rashford, Saka, Odegaard, and Mares. I would have four in midfield.
0: Wow, love that. And so you'd have three doublers in the midfield. Yes,
1: I moved on Saka very early. I ha- I've had him since the restart, and I took him over Almiron, and I've been very happy with that decision.
0: Damn you. I wish I made a similar call. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been stuck in uh, Almiron Alley and not finding an easy way out for the last five game weeks. Uh, it's been pretty painful.
1: Yeah, a lot of people brought him in and then saved some funds in the bank during the restart but I made the decision just to use all my funds and bringing Saka straight away. And it's turned out to be a good decision. For I'd sure. like to say it was well-planned, but it was kind of luck with how their doubles fell.
0: Oh, uh, come on. That's a genius, uh, genius, uh, well and humble FPL manager for you in black Wolf. <laughs> Who's going to be your captain, Dan? My captain will be Harland. Uh, easy breezy. All right. I love that. Easy I'm on two free transfers like you. I have $3.4 in the bank, and I'm going to take a hit this game week. Uh, I already made my moves. I moved early because the price changes were happening. I moved Ivan Tony down to Eddie Niketia. I might be standing alone at the end of this game week, but I really rate Niketia for both this double game week and in 25. I think he gets all four starts, and when he starts, he's – pouring in great chances and he's getting on the goals. He's trouncing Saka, Odegaard, and Martinelli on the advanced stats perspective. They really love Niketia, how close he is to goal, how selfish he is sometimes. So I'm really rating that the advanced stats are going to come good. And Niketia could be a slight differential for my team over the next couple of game weeks. So I made that move. And I just moved before the podcast, I moved Bruno and Almiron to... Mares and KDB. So I really wanted to have a triple up both on City and Arsenal if possible. I considered doing a sideways move of Martinelli to Odegaard and skipping KDB. At the end of the day, I just wanted to have KDB. Like you, I, I didn't want to go a game week and be looking at his points as he scores them, if he scores them, and be like, dummy, why didn't you bring in Kevin De Bruyne, one of the best midfield talismans we've had in the Premier League in some time. So Those are my moves and for exact fun. So I had to make the moves tonight before we recorded uh, because Mahrez is scheduled to rise in price. And I'm going to captain Erling Holland.
1: You're making me very nervous now not owning Enketia and Kevin De Bruyne. (laughs) I I I like that because
0: you you were making me quake in my boots with all this uh, soccer love. And I have no way to get to him. Easy breezy.
1: Yeah, I, I still love Saka, but Mketia is a, is a great move. I think your moves are exactly what a minus four hit should be used for. You've used a minus four to gain three extra fixtures. So even if your players just play and do nothing, you're, you're gaining two points.
0: So I think they're great moves. Well, thank you. That's why we brought you on the pod to uh, to say nice things about the two hosts. The host that isn't here, we can we can trash, though, because he hasn't made his moves, and he didn't even show up to podcast with, a, with us. He's enjoying a Christmas present from his lovely wife there at his home team, the Milwaukee Bucks, playing against the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. Very expensive tickets, so his wife is the real MVP. He's debating two moves, so he wants to know if he should go triple up on Arsenal attack by taking out Ben White for a minus four. And what he's thinking is Bruno to Odegaard and going Ben White to who? He wants to take this move, but he doesn't know who he's going to get in for Ben White. What would be your take on the best defender to target?
1: It's difficult because I would love to recommend a Man City defender, but it's it's hard to know who to go for. It would probably be a Kanji or Aki. Um, I think based on what Man City... Fans have told me, I think Akanji is the more nailed player. So probably him. However, I'm an Ake owner myself. So I'm kind
0: of nervous owning him. I hope he does well. Well, we're going to disagree again, Dan, because I actually, I, from the eye test perspective, I really love Ake. And I don't think that there's so much in the nailedness conversation between the two. And you just watch City. Akanji is always playing pretty much directly in front of Ederson. He offers almost nothing. From an upside attack perspective. And Ake is very attacking. He has a couple goals. He often pops up in the attacking zone when there's free kicks or set pieces. I think that if that 0.1 million is not the difference between the move going through and not, I would very much prioritize Ake. And then I would go Kanji. and then I would go Rico Lewis when we consider those city defenders. Uh, But I think Ake is the right choice. I think that's why a prudent manager like you already has him in your team. So for Brian, we're recommending he goes Bruno and Ben White to Odegaard and Ake with that minus four hit.
1: Yeah, the only thing that makes me nervous about Ake, and this could just be because I own him, is that Laporte exists. Um, I know Pep loves Ake, but every time he says he loves a player, he drops him. So
0: (laughs) we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm going to get gray hair uh, first from trying to navigate pep roulette before uh, my daughter and my second one on the way. So uh, it's just a, you can't, can't even pretend to read his mind. He is just all over the place and he is a tinker-tastic manager in that way for sure. All right, Dan, let the listeners know where they can find you on social media and all of the work that you're doing in the FPL community before we get out of here.
1: Sure. You can find me on Twitter at fpl underscore Blackwolf, i run fpl usa which includes a league system which we're all a part of and it's very competitive we have a lot of good fpl usa managers across twitter i also do some content for ff scout and all about fpl and i post the odd thread about wolves and you can reach out to me anytime for anything about wolves which has been happening a lot lately considering the double game week announcement
0: Dan, I know you're too humble to say it, so I'm going to say it for you. FPL underscore Black Wolf is one of the essential follows in the FPL community on Twitter. There aren't many Wolves fans, and there aren't many Wolves fans in the USA that are true diehards like Dan. And the key that brings enjoyment to me as a footy fanatic, as someone who loves watching the Premier League, is finding out all these things that I wouldn't really care about otherwise. But because I'm so passionate about FPL and the fantasy game, I want to know who the right players are on Southampton, on Wolves, on Brighton, on Brentford. And you know what? Wolves, Dan is your guy. So Dan, thank you for joining us. Follow Dan at FPL underscore wolf. Follow our podcast at FPL Blues Podcast. Brian will be back next week with another episode. And we really thank you for listening. Thank you, Dan, for coming on for the second time. We're going to try and do a couple more special guests between now and the end of the season as we look to climb rank, grab those green arrows and have a super fun rest of the season. Thanks, Dan.
1: Thank you.